Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the One Million by One Million podcast. Today, I'm here with Bill Bice from Verge Fund. Bill, welcome to the show. Thanks. It's great to be here. Well, let's start uh, getting acquainted and also introducing you to our audience. Let's uh, learn about Verge Fund. Tell us about yourself, about Verge, what is your uh, investment thesis, what are the preferences, how big is the fund. Let's just get to know one another. Yeah, and I've, I've learned a, a lot by listening to your podcast, and I, I really love what you are doing. We share a, a lot of philosophy in common. So I, I really feel like I was born an entrepreneur. I, uh, I, I'm, I'm just like Bill Gates. I dropped out of college to start a software company in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Uh, the difference is Gates dropped out of Harvard. I dropped out of the University of New Mexico. He created a company called Microsoft. And the reason he and Alan were in Albuquerque is because this is where the first personal computer was invented. I, uh, and of course, he was the world's richest man for a long time. And other than that, it's uh, you know exactly the same path. I, I, I created a, a company at age 18, which is really the only way in which, uh, in which I've uh, uh, beat the other bill, called ProLaw Software, which is an ERP system for law firms. And you know, being 18, I thought uh, I thought I knew it all. So it took me took me a really long time to figure out how to actually build a company. But eventually, I got a great team and figured out how to do that. And this is a company that we built purely through bootstrapping into a eight-figure revenue company and sold it to the kind of 800-pound gorilla of the legal market west, which is a, a division of what's now uh, Thomson Reuters. And that's really where I fell in love with the vertical market approach. I've built three more divisions or companies with within the legal market since then. Mm-hmm. And what we're really focused on are opportunities that come out of this unique region that we're in in New Mexico. It's it's really an emerging market that is in the middle of flyover country, has the benefit of the U.S. legal system, and and has huge opportunity. We've got $7 billion in R&D that happens here every year. The two largest national labs in the country, Sandia and Los Alamos, several yep. major research universities and all of the technical infrastructure and all the companies that support all of all of those entities and not nearly enough commercialization happens so even if you take out the say two and a half billion that's around blowing things up that still leaves a tremendous amount of of r d and not nearly enough activity of taking that to market so what's missing here are the entrepreneurs that know how to do that and the capital to to support them doing so so um, very interesting. The context that you just set to position New Mexico as an innovation, as a greenfield innovation opportunity, is is very interesting. Now, what about the nature of the types of companies that you see there? Is that different from, or is it particular any in any particular way because of the kinds of research labs that are in that geography? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. It really is. And so our focus has been geography driven. So we really don't have a, a sector or, a, uh, you know, an investment thesis driven by a particular view of the market because we're really leveraging this unique opportunity. And what we're focused on are the things that come out of that environment. So there's a, a tremendous amount of, of life sciences here, a lot of software as a service, 
an area that we work in that we call human factors, which is sort of non-regulated uh, uh, life sciences. A lot of a lot of work in uh, lasers. Uh, so it, it's it is a science-heavy driven area, and I can you know give you some specific examples of of companies that really represent that. Okay, great. So before we get into that, let's get the fund specifics. How big is your fund, and what is your preferred uh, investment criteria? Yeah, so we're an early stage fund. We're really a so my partner Tom Stevenson was the first VC in in the state of New Mexico, and he really took a different approach in in building the firm, which was bring together a partnership of entrepreneurs that have all built and, and had you know built companies and had successful exits, and so we're really using the fund structure as a way to do what we would do anyway, which is go build and invest in in companies. So we're you know we're a small early stage fund. We have a total of forty million dollars under. Uh, under management, uh, many of us also, I, you know, I invest as an angel investor in uh, in addition to that. And the difference in philosophy compared to sort of the traditional VC model is that we're not after the one in ten or one in fifteen big win. We're really going for singles and doubles, with the intention of you do that enough, you're you're eventually going to get uh, a triple or or a home run that comes out of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, how big is the fund then? Uh, the total of forty million, which includes million. the follow-on fund, which is what we're investing out of right now. And what is the check size that you like to write normally? So, our average total investment is about a million and a half, and typically starting in the uh, you know few hundred thousand for the first investment. And um, I'm sure this is going to be sector specific, but uh, what do you like to see by way of proof points in the companies that you go into? You know, it's a, it's an interesting question in this market because we are we're really we're opportunistic on a regional basis as opposed to having a really driven philosophy around the investment criteria. So what, what I'm really looking for are, are companies that, that have the, you know, what everybody wants. You know, we want a fast-growing company. I'm particularly interested in something that can have a significant impact here that ties into the advantages that we have of being in New Mexico, which is leveraging that technical infrastructure. And this is also a really great ecosystem to, to build service companies that, that sort of sell everywhere else. And I've, you know, I've essentially made a career out of, doing exactly that. It's, you know, it's basically an arbitrage play because we've got a much lower cost of living. We have a great way of life and we've got, we've got a large enough ecosystem now that it's much more realistic to recruit uh, external talent into New Mexico that, you know, that was much more challenging just five years ago. And, and so those, those elements are starting to really come together in a, a way that makes us a, a lot more interesting. So, now, in terms of the sectors that you like to invest in, you have uh, you described the sectors that are active in New Mexico. Does that mean that you are active in all of those sectors, life sciences and software as a service and human factors? Yeah, and the, and the other one is material science, which is uh, fairly significant just because of the, the research that's done here. Okay. So... Um, Let's take uh, SaaS for a moment. 
if you were to look at a SaaS company, what would you look for? In, would you look for MRR metrics, ARR metrics? Would you look for, you know, just a proof, uh, just a, a minimum viable product? What is your comfort zone to get into a company? Yeah, so I'm often working with an entrepreneur at the earliest stages. I'm not likely to be interested in investing until they've hit, you know, the sort of standard 10K and MRR per, you know, the kind of things that, that everybody looks for at this point. But a big part of my incentive and what I love to do is to really help entrepreneurs get to that point. And one of the things that I absolutely agree with you on is, you know, 99% of the entrepreneurs that I work with should never raise outside money. It, it's right. just it's a better use of your time to go sell customers than it is to spend talking to angels and VCs that are, you know, in the end just going to screw up your company if you really don't have the right fit. Right. So, um, so you would invest, though, the ones that you think may have potential to become venture scale companies, you would invest at a pre-revenue stage, you're saying? Yes, and we have, and, and we've had to, because when we started our firm, if we wanted to have a company to invest in, we, we had to go put it together. We either had to start it or find the entrepreneur and find the technology and put those pieces together in order to have a viable investment. That was the very early stage of, of ecosystem building here, and now that's really, that's really paid off, and there's a, you know, a, a tremendous amount of activity relative to that. So as an example, I helped start the first accelerator in New Mexico called ABQID, and now we've got mm -hmm. seven or eight accelerators that are cranking out a, a ton of great companies, including Creative Startups, which has been expanding nationally. Uh, Meow Wolf came out of uh, Creative Startups, and if you, if you haven't seen Meow Wolf, it's a just incredible immersive entertainment company. Mm -hmm. um, how many startups are active in New Mexico currently? I don't have a number off the top of my head, but we, we just did a little research project to see how many open positions there were at technology companies here. Mm -hmm. And we came up with, with about 1,500 in Albuquerque, not, not statewide. Oh, wow. That's awesome. So that's running across yeah, a good number of startups. There's a lot of much later stage startups that have all come into the forefront in the, you know, the, sort of over the last five years. That's awesome. And how much do you think, what would be the split between life sciences and information technology? Where, where is the sweet spot? There, there's a really nice selection of both. So there is uh, a great incubator here that's focused on life sciences, the Bioscience Center, that has really leveraged those opportunities. So anybody who's interested in life sciences, that is the perfect place to go visit and, and see all you know, all kinds of amazing companies. So I don't know what the, the split is, but there's, there's tons of opportunity on both sides. And when you say, when you use the term life sciences, are you, cover, are you talking about biotech, pharma, and digital health, healthcare IT, or are you, is there a specific? Yeah, I'm being pretty inclusive. So that, you know, that includes uh, drug development through, you know, through the whole uh, technology infrastructure one, you know, one of our uh, biggest successes was a medical device company called called Intellisite that uh, came out of the University of New Mexico. Okay. All right. 
So now let's do some examples from your investment portfolio. What have you invested in? Uh, what are the highlights of your portfolio? And, and um, as you describe them, tell me what state did you encounter these companies in, and uh, what uh, you know what what have you what attracted you to them? So let, let's start with Intellisat that I just mentioned, which was a uh, non-existent, you know, pre-revenue, pre-LLC uh, company. So my partner, Ray Radosevich, found the technology at University of New Mexico, helped match that with uh, entrepreneur Terry Dunlay, who, who had experience out of this market, moved to New Mexico to leverage that opportunity. And it, it was uh, research that the NIH had funded at UNM. And what they did is took a core technology that's well-known, flow cytometry, and they made it a couple of orders magnitude faster, which meant that you could apply it to a whole bunch of new things, including personalized medicine. So MD Anderson in Houston uses Intellicide in order to find the right drug cocktail combination to give to somebody who has, you know, tested against their cancer cells out of that one patient and instead of guessing, give them what actually produces the best results. Mm-hmm. And, and that was really the, the sort of classic, you know, build from, from the ground up and invest every, you know, every step of the way. And frankly, that's a really long road to hoe. You know, we were in that company for uh, 10 years. Mm-hmm. And it kind of fully illustrates the opportunity and challenge of, of being in Albuquerque. So it's the largest VC-backed exit that we've had to date in Albuquerque. And it was mm-hmm. a good exit for us. But at the same time, it was a $90 million exit, and that's the largest one we've had so far. But that's not a problem. You know, I'm sure you know from my writings that I don't consider that as a problem at all. I think for an up-and-coming region, those kinds of exits are fantastic. And if you have a few of those kinds of exits, that's just exactly what the doctor ordered. Well, they are fantastic. What it hasn't done is – so you recently talked about the – ecosystem in uh, Salt Lake City and Provo. And it's completely acceptable to be a Valley VC firm and invest in a Provo, Utah company. You're not going to get, right. you know, thrown out of uh, your window and well, it wouldn't be that far if you're on Sand Hill Road. But you're, it's completely acceptable to invest there because there's been enough exits of a large enough size that it's a very reasonable thing to do. The way we're going to the way we're building the ecosystem is through those, you know, much more standard. I mean, the vast majority of acquisitions are 10 to 50 million and the VC industry should really be investors should really be built around those kinds of companies as opposed to everything as a unicorn. Right. That's right. And, and I've, you know, spoken ad nauseum about this topic, as you know. <laughs> and, and you need to, because it, it needs to break through. Yeah, nobody's and, uh, listening. Otherwise, unless you hit the, nail on the head over and over and over and over again and keep, uh, you know, harping on this topic, nobody is listening. So, yes, I've been talking about it. And, and I completely agree with you. That, that's how we get Silicon Valley-style innovation spread across the rest of the world, and it's, it's focusing on those 10 to $50 million exits. Right. Okay. Um, you want to talk about one of your information technology investments? Uh, certainly. So the the company that I'm running right now is a is a great example of that boom time. Uh, it's it's in our Verge portfolio, and it it really came from my experience of all the companies that I've 
built and invested in and just really getting frustrated with getting great marketing for those companies. You know, go to market is really where the failure point is. The reason a company doesn't achieve what its potential is is because it's just not able to consistently and effectively execute on go to market. So we are working really hard to put scale and efficiency and make marketing a reproducible process. And so the way I talk about it is if you know if you have a business and you want help growing, there are literally thousands of options out there to help you, which is another way of saying that nobody's actually gotten that great at doing it. And that's the, the problem that we're tackling. And so what we've done is built a marketing automation system that instead of being designed to be implemented in one company at a time, automates whole industries at a time. And the data advantage that we get from that is, is really significant. So internally, we're a SaaS company, but externally, we deliver marketing as a service. Okay, so it's, it's the do it for me instead of do it yourself. Yes, and it's really the thing that's missing in, in a tremendous amount of the marketing technology that's been put out there. I mean, great, you know, great companies, but in our experience, only 7% of small business owners actually want are, are willing to do the work to do their own marketing. So we're, we're interested in the other 93%. And do you do this as a vertical? Do you, are you focusing on a particular vertical, or is it a, across the board? Well, we are, we are vertical-oriented, and we've gotten there by working with a lot of different companies in order to see. And it, it's really about high-ticket items. So we tend to specialize in areas where what the company is selling is a high-ticket, high-impactful item. And part of that's because it's easier to judge that it's working, but also the techniques that we've developed that are really all around uh, word-of-mouth marketing have uh, work really well in in that area so it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of b2b this this was one of the companies i was referring to is coming back into legal so that's a, a strong vertical for us um, mm -hmm. the issues around b2b are sort of a, the same for any you know small sales team of five to twenty people so we look at that as a vertical even though it covers a really wide range of businesses from a sort of standard yeah. vertical definition yeah, okay, cool. Um, is there something that I should have asked you in the context of the New Mexico ecosystem and your work as investors in that ecosystem that I haven't asked you? Well, there's actually a really great opportunity here because the state of New Mexico has a permanent fund that invests in venture capital funds. And okay. so a fund that is willing to put in the time and effort to look at deals here has a built-in LP that is very interested in investing in them. And, okay. of course, you have, you, know, you have to do the hard work of actually investing in companies, but it's a, uh, it's a great opportunity. How many venture funds uh, like yourselves are operational in the New Mexico area? Well, in terms of headquartered here, that's where the real problem is. There's... Uh, really only two or three that are headquartered here, but then there are a number of firms that have uh, that have gotten an investment from the state that put time and effort uh, in, into the ecosystem here. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, um, you know, we would love to see more companies from uh, your geography. So uh, you know how we work. Uh, we work with our, uh, you know, roundtables where, anyone from anywhere in the world can come and, you know, present their companies. So if you think there are companies that uh, want to be featured in those, please send them over and, and we'd love to see them and, and give them more visibility. If you have companies that have crossed $5 million in revenue, then 
definitely send them over. We can even put them in our Entrepreneur Journeys uh, interview series, and that's that's a really big feature story that we do on, on companies that have crossed $5 million in revenue. We'd love to cover the region more. Yeah, and I think that's a great opportunity. It's really good for entrepreneurs to hear and see the, the, the very significant community you've built of people who are building companies all over the place. Yeah, and, and what we did with Utah, you talked about Utah earlier, is something that uh, we did extensively is to give Utah companies a lot of coverage and a lot of, you know, so if you go to our Entrepreneur Journey series on the blog, on the 1M by 1M blog, you'll see a lot of Utah companies. We've done that with Arizona. So we know how to kind of put a spotlight on a region and show companies that are succeeding in that region, give them, you know, some visibility and so forth. And that always helps in, in you know, making that visible to the community and, and, and it's recognition from Silicon Valley. So that's also got a good, uh, you know, good halo effect to it. Yeah, I think that's a great opportunity and there's a number of companies that I will recommend do exactly that. Sounds great. Well, wonderful talking to you, uh, Bill, and it's great to hear of a new ecosystem you know, coming up in, uh, in a different part of the world where it hasn't been such a big high activity zone yet, but it sounds like in the next five years it will become a very uh, active, successful uh, entrepreneurial geography. We are and working hard at it, and I really appreciate the, the work that you're doing to make that happen. Fantastic. Audience, thank you for listening today. We will be back with another edition of the 1M by 1M podcast. And in the meantime, remember the roundtables. Bring your projects. Those are working sessions. We can work on your strategy and also give you visibility through those. So we'll see you soon in one of those sessions.